Hello, everyone, and welcome to Harm Reduction Radio. Our guest today is Lucy Roca. She is the founder of the uh, networking website Soberistas for uh, people who want to stop drinking. Uh, We're going to talk in more detail about that. She's also a co-author of a book called uh, The Sober Sober Revolution, Calling Time on Wine O'Clock. Before we uh, start the show, we're going to do a little advertisement for our website and our book. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, a Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon. For more information, go to hamsnetwork.org slash book. Our guest, Lucy Roca, is with us right now. How are you doing today, this evening, over there in London? Uh, how are you doing, Lucy? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about Soberistas. What is unique about this website? Um, well, Soberistas have been going just over a year, um, and I set it up because I, um, after, stop, after stopping drinking after 20 years of heavy drinking, uh, I wouldn't necessarily have felt like AA was sort of relevant or it didn't really appeal to me. Um, and because I was uh, spent quite a few years as a single parent, and that's when I was drinking quite heavily, um, it occurred to me that an online resource would be um, helpful to a lot of people who might be stuck at home and not able to get out to physical meetings. Um, but also, really, the sort of key ethos behind Sober Easters was that I really hated the idea of sort of spending the rest of my life with gritted teeth and desperate for a drink and, and sort of being miserable because I couldn't drink. And I, and I really wanted to get across to people that not drinking can be a great thing and, and it's the best thing that I've ever done. It's the most positive experience that I've ever had is stopping drinking. So there's a real strong positive vibe behind Soberistas and that's really what kind of um, led to it in it existing how it does today, really. Mm-hmm. Is this site free to join? Uh, it is at the moment, but not so much longer. We've tried. Um, we've basically sort of funded it um, through advertising, which hasn't really brought in um, enough revenue. And it's become so big. We've got twenty five thousand plus members now. It's become so big. It's a full time job. So as there's only two of us who run it, um, we've we've had to kind of introduce a small membership fee just so that we can apply the time that it, it needs really. Um, I'm just curious how you're set up uh, business-wise. Are you a public charity or are you incorporated or how do you work? No, we're not a charity. We are um, a limited company, but basically um, we're a social enterprise. So so the main goal of our business is that um, we're helping people. So a large chunk of what we raise will go back into um, projects associated with helping people as well as improving the website to make it more effective so we'll take a salary so that we can do it you know full time but it'll be a modest salary and and much of the revenue raised will go towards um funding well a whole host of things hopefully but we'll have to see um how many people will get signing up really and how how sort of successful it is in terms of what we can use that money for but hopefully we'll get enough to to fund quite a few really positive things that we're quite excited about. Uh, and do you know about how much this fee will be? Uh, it works out about, uh, well, let me think, it's three pounds, three English pounds a month. So it's about $5 a month. No, that's not bad. That's pretty reasonable. Well, it, it is when you consider, I think I used to spend about 300 pounds a month 
easily on booze, but <laughs> it's certainly a lot cheaper than drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not an outrageous uh, price at all. It's quite it's quite reasonable. So uh, that seems seems good to me. Um, so you said you didn't uh, feel comfortable with uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not. I, I've not got anything against it. I've got friends who've been to Alcoholics, Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's worked for them. But um, I mean, a couple of things I suppose put me off. Um, AA, one being that I'm an atheist, so it kind of, the highest power thing didn't really appeal. Um, and also, I just kind of felt like I needed to, um, I needed to have the power, I needed to empower myself and make a choice not to drink rather than say that I, um, say that alcohol had all the power. It was just more that I felt I needed the power, I needed to beat it and I needed to make a, an educated choice. And that's how I feel I did it. You know, that's, I've not drunk for over three years and I'm very happy not drinking because I feel like I made a, a choice to do that rather than doing it out of submission, um, which to me kind of is what the AA is about. And so that really didn't appeal. But like I say, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of the reasons as well is just the practicalities of going to a physical meeting. It just wasn't an option for me with a young child working full time. I just couldn't get out to do that. So... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can really uh, understand uh, your reaction. I mean, uh, as I've t- talked about before, I tried going to AA for a while to have something, a non-drinking activity to do. I went for several months. I was not drinking at all when I started. By the time I left, I was drinking a liter of whiskey a day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this message of alcohol is powerful. You are powerless. Um, and like you, I don't believe in a higher power that cures diseases or rescues people or performs miracles. Um, I think there's some purpose in the universe. I kind of see, see that, but, uh, uh, this whole divine intervention thing is, I don't, if I had cancer, I wouldn't be asking God to cure my cancer. No, no, exactly. And I think it just seems a little bit, the whole recovery language and the victim, you know, this is, you've got a disease, you're powerless. It's all very negative and, and I think it just takes away that choice. And for me, beating any addiction, whether it's, you know, gambling, overeating, alcohol or drugs, you know, whatever it is, it has, if it's going to work and if it's going to be a long-term um, success, then it's got to be because you've chosen to do that for yourself. And that's, you know, that's totally my belief. And that's what we try and get across in sober e- with Sober Easters. It's about empowering people and giving them the tools they need to make that choice for themselves. Yeah, I found very much the same thing myself. And, you know, I didn't go total abstinence. I went to uh, drink one day a week instead of seven days a week or whatever. Um, that's more of a harm reduction plan, but that works out for me. But, you know, those other six days out of the week, I don't want to be sitting around miserable thinking about booze. I want to be yeah. uh, feeling good and happy. And, uh, you know, that's what keeps me abstaining six days out of the week is I have many positive things going on. Yeah, that's it. Filling your time and understanding that this is an addictive drug that is really widely marketed and, and very effectively so. You know, it's kind of when you when you read about it and understand how addiction works and how... Um, you know, how the government, certainly in this country, just gives a, pretty much a free reign to the alcohol industry to, to advertise wherever and however they want. You start to realise that you've been played a little bit. You're a bit of a 
you know, you're a bit of a pawn in this game. And um, when you educate yourself and realise that, you feel a bit feisty and, you know, it makes you realise you want to stand up to yourself and say, no, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make a stand. And that's what that's what people do on Sober Easters all the time. It's It's a really powerful thing to watch. So what are some of the ways that people will get positivity going for them? Uh, well, it, I mean, it works totally on peer support. So, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in most of our most of our members are really, you know, intelligent people, and they all were well aware for years about the statistics and the increased risk of breast cancer, etc., um, from drinking heavily. But it still didn't stop them. What stopped them is talking to people who've been there and who've stopped drinking, who can give advice, um, and that really, really works. So peer support for me is so much more effective than a leaflet in a doctor's surgery or watching a, a program about you know the rates of cancers or liver disease or whatever it just doesn't work when you're dealing with an addictive substance but on sober easters people watch they see success stories all the time so they're, they're talking to people who they're friends with and and those people have stopped drinking a year ago and they can pass on the information the advice on how they've done that and and really support somebody so i suppose a bit like the aa it works in a kind of informal mentor system um but that really is effective and i think it's it's the best way to go when you're talking about um dealing with an addiction do you have any kind of formalized program uh what with the do you mean with regard to sober easters yes no no not at all and that was totally what how I sort of created it it was just basically to provide um a, a platform a place where people could talk without being judged at all completely openly and anonymously if they wanted to um to get rid of that shame and to not feel that they're the only person who drinks like that I mean for, for me for years I really really believed I was the only person who had this problem. I thought there were alcoholics and then there were people who could drink responsibly in inverted commas. And then there was me in the middle who just was, you know, flawed in some way because every time I touched alcohol, I'd just go mental and pass out and throw up and make an idiot of myself. But what Sober Easters does straight away, it, it takes away that fear and that really dark place that people find themselves in when they sat at home on their own just you know, the day after a big drinking session and you just world caves in when you wake up and realise what you've done the night before, it's horrific and you think it's just you. By being able to go onto a website that's so non-judgmental and safe, like so Brewster's is, it just takes away that straight away. So I think that's the first battle is won. You know, you've got, you start to get yourself confidence back, you start to feel less freakish and then you've got access to thousands of people who have all been where you are and who can help you escape from that place. So it's just a really, really positive, friendly experience. Well, it's interesting because the studies show that there are about four times more people in the middle, there's about four times more people as they classify as problem drinkers rather than as alcohol dependent. Yeah. Well, that's definitely my experience. I think, you know, it's been called the the hidden epidemic in the UK, there's just huge swathes of people, middle class particularly, who are drinking behind closed doors, drinking wine, mums, you know, hitting the wine after the kids have gone to bed, um, who don't really think they've got a problem, certainly wouldn't consider themselves to be an alcoholic, but they're drinking up to a bottle, two bottles of wine a night, uh, which is, you know, hugely problematic drinking. That's the amount I was drinking, um, and it and it led me to having depression, anxiety attacks, low self-confidence, 
not being a great parent, you know, numerous negative um, connotations, uh, consequences of, of drinking that much. But people don't think that that's a problem in this country, a lot of people. <laughs> yes, uh, the UK is, uh, is a bigger drinker these days than the United States is, actually. If you said two bottles of wine a night in the U.S., it would, you would definitely have people pointing fingers at you. In fact, yeah. it's, it's bizarre. I mean, some people say, uh, he had two glasses of wine with dinner. He must be an alcoholic. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you drank two glasses of wine here and then finished, you'd just people would think you were, uh, you know, that's what people have for breakfast. It's really, really increased. And um, I think for me, that was a big part of, um, of the acceptance that, that I actually had a problem because it's so normalised. It's just everywhere. Um, and everybody, you know, all my friends did it and educated professional people, you know, not, not sort of park bench dwelling cider drinkers, this sort of lawyers, teachers, you know, um, responsible people, but drinking a bottle, two bottles of wine a night. It's just excessive. It definitely is. Uh, what, how have you gotten the word out about your website to uh, reach people and let them know you exist? Uh, well, mainly it's been, um, we've just been very um, lucky, I suppose, that we've, had, we've attracted an awful lot of media attention. Um, I think because there was nothing else like it in the UK, um, and probably because so many people are in denial that they've got a drink problem, to kind of put your head above the parapet and say, you know what, I was drinking one, two bottles of wine a night and it was way too much and I've stopped, you know, and been sort of really open about it and and not hiding behind closed doors. I think it just got attention. Um, it was a bit unusual. And so we've just had loads and loads of media coverage um, and every time we've had a big story or um, been on the TV or in the newspapers or whatever, we've had hundreds and hundreds of new members because people are suddenly realising, God, that's me. You know, I've been I've been that person for, for so many years and I don't want to be that person anymore. Tell me a little bit about the book that you co-authored, The Sober Revolution. Yeah, well, that's um, just after I launched Sober Easter's, um a... Uh, addictions counsellor called Sarah Turner got in touch with me and she's um, based about 40 miles, 50 miles away from me um, and we we hooked up and got on really well and, and both had the same aims um, and the same sort of demographic in mind that being kind of women aged between 30 and 50 um, who were drinking wine and um, who wouldn't go to Alcoholics Anonymous you know, not your typical stereotypical sort of alcoholic but somebody whose life is really being negatively affected by drinking um so on a on a meet up one day when we went shopping we were we got chatting about the issue and we, we decided we'd get our heads together and put it all down on paper um so the book is based on the premise that alcohol is like a and well we call it mr unsuitable just a, a bad lover that you can't help falling in love with in the beginning it's charming and um, offers you all these things and then over the years it just gradually takes away your confidence takes away your self-esteem much like an abusive partner might do um, and we use that as a as a ongoing metaphor through the book um, to try and empower women really to see what alcohol is doing to them and to, to see through the myth that it's not this glamorous sophisticated um thing to do with you know out out at night and thinking 
thinking that you're looking all sophisticated but really what it's doing to you is, is just robbing you of all your self-confidence and and all the time that you could be spending on so much more so that was that was the story behind it but then um as well as that it's uh, there's nine case studies in there that are from Sarah's clients at her um therapy center the Harrogate sanctuary um and success success stories basically just just women and their real life stories and how they've managed to beat alcohol now, a colleague of mine, uh, Gabrielle Glaser, wrote a book about women drinking in the U.S. called Her Best Kept Secret, and she observed that there's a, been a big increase of alcohol consumption with women in the United States. Do you find that's true in the United Kingdom? Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, it's, in my mind, it's down to two factors. There was the, what we, what was coined in the media, the Ladette culture in the 1990s, which was um young women being kind of encouraged um in popular culture to be more like men and that transcended to drinking in bars drinking pints you know playing pool just there was just definitely kind of a shift from women being a bit more feminine to being more like one of the boys um and that really affected me and the way I grew up I was in my early teens when that kind of social phenomenon started and I got really caught up in that and then just as that sort of tailed out in the mid to late 90s, the wine manufacturers really started targeting aggressively wine at women um, and selling it as an almost healthy, you know, this sophisticated treat, um, often linked with the idea that it reduces your heart, uh, your blood pressure and the risk of heart disease. So it was kind of a natural progression for me to then stop drinking pints, being out with the lads, to to drinking a bottle of wine every night, nearly, you know, um, and thinking it was normal and almost something that was doing me some good. Um, and that was just, that story is very, very familiar. And on Sober Easter's, so many people, so many women have had exactly the same experience. And then before they knew it, they got to kind of mid-30s and they realised, I've got a major problem here. I can't get through the night without a bottle of wine. Um, and that's when they signed up to our website. Was there one particular turning point that made you decide to stop drinking? Uh, there was, um, but I mean, I think over a period of about five years, I um, had a growing awareness, a bit, a sort of growing fear that I was doing myself major harm. I, I was blacking out quite frequently, um, and I did, I did on on occasion think, "Am I an alcoholic?" Because I realised I couldn't drink normally in inverted commas again I just I couldn't drink like other people as soon as I had one or two drinks I just wanted to get absolutely smashed and that was always the case um but I never did in I never sort of stopped for longer than a few weeks here and there you know after a particularly bad binge um and then one night um in April 2011 um I was drinking on my own my daughter was at a dad's my boyfriend was out with his friends and I'd had no intention of drinking more than a bottle of wine tops but um just got a taste for it and I think I just had press self-destructs and I ended up drinking three bottles of wine um on my own and half the night just I can't remember at all um and I woke up in hospital at three o'clock in the morning um with no recollection of getting there and what had happened was that I'd taken the dog out for a um toilet trip at about 10 o'clock at night and passed out on the pavement outside my house and 
was vomiting, unconscious, in the dark, on my own. And a friend, happily for me, drove past on his motorbike and saw me and called an ambulance. Um, and that really was just an absolute blessing because it just gave me this huge wake-up call and, and realisation that I'd never be able to drink again and that if I did, I would die probably. Um, so I just stopped. That was it. And just I was terrified to touch it again. So, yes, that was my rock bottom. Do you find uh, people coming to Soberistas, do you find any people that are looking to moderate their drinking, and how do you deal with that? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely um, a, quite a large percentage that come on the website hoping to moderate, but um, after spending kind of two or three months chatting to people and posting blogs and getting comments and feedback, they generally come to the realisation that they won't be able to moderate. Because I think that's true for most people who have a problematic relationship with alcohol. Um, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to moderate. Um, I mean, I could never moderate. I've not had a drink for three years and I've got no desire to drink. But I I know that if I had a drink, that'd be it. You know, within a, a couple of weeks, I'd be on a bottle of wine a night again. Um, and what, I mean, I don't, I don't kind of get involved on the site. Like, it, it is just a... Um, a place, you know, where people can talk and meet other like-minded people. So I don't kind of interfere and say to people, no, you mustn't moderate. Um, I suppose my role comes in in the articles that we feature. So we'll kind of, we do represent moderation, but it's sort of a in the minority of the articles that we put on there. Most Mostly the experience is that if you've ever had a problem that's got out of hand with booze, you're not going to be able to moderate. And people largely come to that conclusion themselves. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, there's a huge uh, U.S. government survey study called NISARC, the National Epidemiological Survey of Alcohol-Related Conditions. They completed in the year 2000. They found half of people with alcohol dependence solved it by quitting completely and half solved it by cutting back. So, um, Okay. I don't, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's whatever works. I'm, I'm absolutely of the opinion that however best you can manage your alcohol problem, do it, you know, whether that's going to be AA, whether it's moderating, whether it's stopping completely. I know in my heart I could never, ever drink in moderation. I could never take drugs in moderation. I have to watch the way I eat. I'm just a very all-or-nothing person, and I think I've learned that more so in the last three years than ever before since I've had that clarity that being sober brings. Um, and what the book and and, and what a lot of people on sober Easter's kind of think is is just that or or try and get across is this message that living without alcohol is actually it can be great you know there's nothing to be frightened of there's something very freeing about never having to worry about controlling your alcohol intake never having to fear that you might slip up and you lose control again it's just all of that worry is gone and that that for me was just hugely freeing I think people really know deep down if they listen. Sometimes the Buddhists call it the wise mind. I think people know deep down what is their best choice, whether it is to try to moderate, to quit completely. Uh, So I really think it's really important to support the choice of the individual. Oh, totally. And I like to say, you know, we do do represent that um, that idea that moderation is possible for some people. It's 
my sister works for us. Um, she works for free for sober eaters, but um, but she used to drink too much uh, by her own admission, not anywhere near as much as I did, but she used to binge drink. Um, and she's really, really cut back and moderated, and it totally works for her. She doesn't spend all day obsessing about it and wishes she could have more. She's just very happy having one glass of wine, two glasses of wine with dinner and leaves it at that. She's just totally sort of flicked a switch and is able to do that, and that's brilliant. You know, I wish I could. I suppose it would be more... Um, well, it's less of a uh, it's less of a sort of abrupt decision, isn't it? It's, it's less kind of severe um, to be able to have one or two glasses at a social gathering or whatever. But for me, I know I can't do it, so I'm very happy to not drink at all. But wherever people can, you know, great. I think it's just a case of being realistic and, like you say, it's listening to that inner voice and and not giving people false hope because some people can't moderate and they never will be able to. And the the hope I had that I could moderate kept me drinking for 20 years and it took me 20 years to realise I couldn't moderate, you know. So it is about being realistic and listening to the way you think and and listening to your own body, really, and, and what it's telling you. Well, yeah, and abstinence is, uh, it's very much a simpler, clear-cut choice. I mean, I've chosen abstinence from a couple things in my life because I just couldn't control them. One is cigarette smoking, uh, controlled cigarette, moderate cigarette smoking. That's not going to go for me. Uh, Television is another one. I can't have a television in my house because I just cannot control that. That will just be, I will just be sucked in all day long. So I just... Those two things I just want to abstain from, and I have abstained from a long time from both of them. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, you, you just, as you get older as well and you get a bit wiser and more experienced, it's, it's easier to work out the things that you can do um, moderately and, and the things that are causing you problems and the things that you need to avoid completely. And for me, I've just come to the conclusion that almost, you know, I'm a, like I'm allergic to alcohol, I suppose, but I know that I'll always have that problem with it. As soon as I start drinking, that's it. Um, so for me, it's just a big weight off. I used to just dread, I, I used to get butterflies before I went out because I used to dread what would happen. It was just like, I didn't know where I would end up or what I'd end up doing or, you know, it was just terrifying. And now my life is so much easier, so much more relaxing and I never ever wake up in the morning with that awful regret and self-loathing. It's just a much happier place. Yeah. Well, a lot of people that come to uh, harm reduction, that come to our program, eventually they do opt for uh, total abstinence. And uh, that's one reason I'm always looking for things to give them extra support in that abstinence. Um, you know, a lot of people stick with our program. They abstain, but they also get extra support outside in places like Soberistas, like Smart Recovery, Life Ring. Uh, are you familiar with Smart or Life Ring at all? Yeah, I went to um, a Smart Recovery meeting um, when I first stopped drinking, um, just because I was desperate for help and I didn't know how I was going to do it. You know, it was just, um, I was, and it was good. It was positive, uh, positive experience. But um, again, it was just kind of getting to meetings, physical meetings when I'd got childcare to arrange and stuff. So I just, um, I didn't pursue it. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we've got lots of useful contacts on Sober Easter and we really, you know, encourage people to go wherever they need to go. I think the purpose of our website really more than anything else is just to, talk and share ideas and feelings about your problematic drinking you know 
um, issues and whether that means you go to the AA as well or whether it means you are going to moderate or if you're going to give up completely. It doesn't really matter. The only um, the only kind of uh, factor that is common amongst all our members is that at some point they have had a problem with booze. You know, that's it. Um, there's no other conditions that you need to fulfil in order to be a member of Sober Easter. Do you get many trolls coming on the website? Uh, surprisingly few, actually. It's been uh, uh, quite um, a pleasant surprise. We've had, we've had a lot of spammers, um, and we do obviously have to moderate the site quite heavily to make sure that every, everybody's sort of behaving themselves. But by and large, it's just a hugely friendly, supportive environment, um, and it's been... Well, it's restored my faith in humankind, definitely. I mean, the, the people on our website are quite remarkable just the kindest nicest friendliest people um and no not many trolls at all well that's good to hear you know uh our we have an online group too and for you know a long time we didn't have uh, really any troll problem but lately we've been having quite a few showing up so <laughs> well yeah i mean we've, we've had a few when we've had a big media you know big media exposure we've had a few um issues where people have kind of thought it was hilarious to come on and throw abuse around but um we've just got rid of them straight away and they don't tend to come back and it has been you know rare so now we're pleased with how that's gone well that's good to hear um well i think we're uh coming to the end of the show so tell us uh, what final words would you like to leave us with today um, well, I would just say that, um, I mean, for me, I think the reason I kept on drinking for so long was just that I was terrified to the point of, you know, almost being paralyzed thinking about it, of, of living without alcohol. It was just such a terrifying place for me to be, the thought of not having that crutch every night. And stopping drinking has, has been the best decision I've ever made in my life. It's completely changed me as a person. I'm so much more confident and happy and optimistic and all my mental health issues, depression, etc., have just gone. Um, and I would just say to anybody, if they've got the slightest inkling, just give themselves two or three months off the booze. Don't commit to it forever. Just see how you go on um, and have an open mind because it's not all it's cracked up to be. Well, that's a good plan. Actually, uh, we recommend uh, a lot of people to try uh, a couple months, uh, a month or so without drinking. And a lot of people, they find that they like not drinking better. Yeah. Uh, so where can we find you? And give us the, the book's name again. Well, um, there's, there's, there's the Sober Revolution, um, Calling Time on Wine O'Clock. And then there's an accompanying journal called Your Six-Week Plan, which um, you can write in and, and go through the first six weeks sort of with prompts and hints and tips, um, but recording your own journey in it um, as a, to keep as a record as to, you know, why you decided to stop drinking. You can refer back to it. And then my blog that I've been writing for, or I was writing for a couple of years, Glass Half Full, that's a book I've just had published which is just basically my journey of going from um, not being very happy about not drinking to being um, a very happy Soberista and the website is Soberistas.com yeah it is yeah okay thank you very much for being our guest uh, today Lucy okay thank you very much for asking me